If you read in Matthew chapter 10, uh, me and Caitlin were actually going over it that this morning. Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace. That kind of puzzles us, does it not? Jesus didn't come to bring, bring peace. Don't we sing that song or have that on our door uh, during Christmas time? Uh, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But here the Savior looks at us and says, I didn't come to bring peace. Amen. It puzzles us, doesn't it? We wonder about that. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. And those verses that follow, our Lord says, I will set enmity between uh, a father, mother, sister, brother, mother-in-law, so on and so forth. If you read in the Amplified Version there, the Bible is saying at the end that the difference between these individuals are that some believe and others do not believe. Amen. In the society we live in today, the society we live in today, there is a, a theme running along that if you don't agree with what someone their activity, their behavior, their beliefs, you hate them if you don't agree with them, if you're not tolerant of them and their actions. Regardless if you do it, uh, if you're uh, aggressive when you say that you don't agree with them or if you say it with all the love in your heart, it does not matter. The world labels us as individuals that hate if we disagree with the way someone lives. Now, it just so happens I went to the Webster's Dictionary and I looked up the word agree and I did not find the word love. So I went to the word uh, love and I didn't find the word agree. Therefore, I can love someone and disagree with them. It's what marriage is all about. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you can disagree with someone and still love them. Amen. Right? Well, I don't agree with that. Well, I don't agree with you. But at the end of the day, you still love one another, right? Amen? So we see that. We know that. But the world, that's not how the world operates, ladies and gentlemen. If you tell someone that their actions or their behavior or the way they're living is wrong, you hate them. Brother Albert Batts years ago said something that has just rang through this congregation is something that dad mentions a lot and I love it. If you truly, truly love someone, if you really, really love somebody, you will tell them the truth. If you really, really love them. Amen? But the world we live in today is screaming at us, at the church, to conform to the way they are, to be tolerant to all. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, if you have sin in your heart and in life, you will not enter that kingdom. What this book defines as sin, if it is in your heart and in your life, you will not enter that kingdom. And there is nothing in this world more important than that question. Are you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? There is no greater question than that. Amen? I told the young folks we were talking, I said, look, I, I care about you, and I care about you going to college and what car you drive, 
and what job you're going to have, and I'm just interested in all that stuff. I said, but the most important thing that I am interested in in your life is, is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Amen. Amen. Are you a disciple? Amen. Are you a disciple of God? That's what I'm concerned about. That's the only thing. And we have a world out there that is screaming at us. Amen. That if we don't agree with them, then we are individuals that, that hate them. In first and second Thessalonians, the Bible reads, Now in regards to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, our gathering together to meet him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly unsettled or alarmed either by a so-called prophetic revelation, a spirit or a message or a letter from us to the effect that that day of the Lord has already come. How many people have uh, put on the news, Jesus is coming back at this day, you can bank on it. And here we still sit. <laughs> you know, we have to be careful with those individuals. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't even know. The Father is the only one who knows of that day. Amen. And what a wonderful day that could be. And we could, when I believe we're just on the cusp of it, where the Father looks over to the Son, it's just my personal conviction that He looks at Him and He's going to go. He don't even have to say a word because our Lord Jesus is sitting on ready to get up from where He's sitting, go to an edge of a cloud and call us home. Amen. He is sitting on ready right now. He's been re he was ready yesterday and the day before that. Amen. Why? Because we are His bride, the Bible says. Amen. He wants us to be with Him. How wonderful is that? That our Messiah and our Savior who sits at the right hand of God right now in heaven, ladies and gentlemen, that's reality, is excited about us being with Him in heaven one day. He wants it to happen now. I wonder sometimes if Jesus is not like some of our kids. And He looks at Dad and He goes, can I go get him now? <laughs> you know, have you ever had a, your kid do that? I know Eli Ian does it to me. Dad, can I have it? No, I don't know, I don't know. It ain't three minutes. You already told him. Dad, and he brings it up again. No, son, I don't think so. Two minutes. Dad, can I go? Sometimes I wonder if Jesus is like that. I'm, he's ready for us to be with him. Amen. I'm excited about that, that fact. But verse 3 says, Let no one in any way deceive you or entrap you. We've got to be aware. For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. And the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed the son of destruction, the one who is destined to be destroyed, praise God, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and so instantly above every so-called God or object of worship so that he actually enters in and takes his seat in the temple of God publicly proclaiming that he is himself God. Amen. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I was telling you these things? Here the Bible has given us a warning, and ladies and gentlemen, we're living in this time. I don't know, but it just feels like this Antichrist guy is walking on the face of the planet as I speak to you right now. Amen. That's just the way I feel about it. But the Bible says before that, 
that a day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. Amen. Apostasy, a great falling away. Individuals that were once in the church and proclaimed and professed Christ, and they were loyal to Him, they were saved, turn away from Him and go into the world. Amen. Just here recently, we've had a couple of weeks ago, an individual who writes music for one of the biggest, or maybe the biggest, praise and worship bands that is in America, or maybe the world. An individual that writes songs to glorify God and the biggest praise and worship band that there is that I know of. We've even sang some of the songs in this church. And he writes on Instagram, and I quote, Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith. And it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now. So at peace with the world. It's crazy. I'm telling you, I am reading the words of a man who has led thousands of thousands and thousands of individuals in worship to this God that we worship this morning. Furthermore, he says, I didn't know I was going to read this, but the Lord just wants me to read this, and it breaks my heart. Are you judging this man? No. If I were to meet this man in the road, I would encourage him to believe again. I would tell him that God loves him, that he doesn't need to lose his faith. I wouldn't put him down. I wouldn't smack him with a Bible, but I would look at him and say, Buddy, you need to reconnect with God. And it just so happens that those folks that walk away from him, just like that prodigal son, the father is standing outside the door looking off, waiting for this guy to come home. I'm not judging the man, but this is where we are. He goes on and says, How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. Well, that's not true. You hear that on the news all the time. How many miracles happen? He says, Not many. No one talks about it. Why, in this church, we talk about miracles all the time. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, we do, we've got a lot of miracles in this church walking around. We've seen them firsthand. God do great and mighty works and miracles. Amen. He goes on and says, Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. This Bible that stands before me was written by men of old, moved on by the Holy Spirit. It is inerrant. It is the truth. And it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It stands the truth this morning. Amen. My father likes to say, it's one of my favorite quotes that he says, it's just like a lion. You just let it out of the cage and it stands for itself. Amen. It has transformed lives. It has healed individuals. It has put families back together. It has ministered to individuals. It is one of the most powerful things that's on the planet right now. And it's sitting there right in front of me. The very true word of God. Amen. It does not contradict itself. It stands holy as the truth to the world. Amen. And now I'm preaching to you this morning in First and Second Thessalonians chapter two. Amen. He goes on to say, Christians can be some some of the most judgmental people in the world, and they can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. I'm not in it anymore. I want genuine truth, ladies and gentlemen. This is the genuine truth. 
the genuine article. Amen. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth to us. Amen. I stand here before you and publicly claim that it is the Spirit of God which has revealed to me that there was a man named Jesus born of a virgin. And 33 years later, he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem, knowing what he was going to have to endure, and yet he went anyways. Amen. They praised him. They allotted him. They threw their coats and the palm branches in front of him. And yet all the while he knew what he was destined to do. Amen. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was so stressed, and science has proven that this is true. He was so stressed that the Bible says he sweat great drops of blood. He knew what he was going to have to endure. And it was not only just the physical part of it that would be so torturous to him. He knew that he was going to take all the sins of every man, woman, and child on him. And that there was going to be a separation with him and the Father. I believe that's what stressed him out the most that he knew that as he put all those sins on him the father would turn away what did Jesus say father father why hast thou forsaken me he said that when Jesus looked away when God looked away from him as he took all the sins of the world on him that day we don't get the picture cuz we weren't there amen but what a powerful earth-shaking moment that it was when Jesus looked up and said, it is finished. And I still can't get over it. I know I've said it a 100,000 times, but ladies and gentlemen, it was not the cross that killed him. It takes three days to four days for a man to die on a cross. It took Jesus died in six hours. He looked at death, hell, and the grave and said, No, you still have no power over me. I give my life willingly for them. I put my life down. Amen. And Brother Clendenin, I love it when he says this. You know, Haman in the Bible, they built gallows for Haman. They were going to hang him. Well, those were Haman's gallows. Amen. And if Esther wouldn't have gotten involved and the Lord didn't got involved, he would have been swinging from him. But don't you know that the very ones that built those gallows for Haman, they were used for their destruction. And while Jesus was on that cross, he looked at death, hell, the devil, and the grave, and he said, let me tell you something, buddy. This cross that I'm dying on, I'm fixing to hang every single one of you on it. Amen. And he did. And he did that day. Amen. He took those enemies and said, what you think will be my destruction is going to be me being victorious. Amen. You are the ones that will hang there. I I am going to be the Lord over all, over you. Amen. And I'm glad to report to you after Jesus died, he didn't just stop there. No, sir, he went to the devil himself. Now, there's somebody that dad heard that had this theology that Jesus went down to hell and the devils beat on him. That is completely and totally not biblical and absurd. That is absurd. Jesus did, however, go meet with Satan. And he did not ask him for those keys. <laughs> he didn't say, devil, I just came by and you've <clears throat> you got something that belongs to me. I just needed to come by and grab it real quick if that's okay. You know how you do that when you go to a neighbor's house if you left your keys or your wallet there? I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm sorry to disturb you. I just came by and I just left something there and I just know. That was not Jesus at all. When Jesus' foot 
hit hell, every devil in it scattered. And he made a beeline for Lucifer, and he did like this. And he didn't say a word. And Lucifer, with a shaking hand, took his keys out and dropped them in our Savior's hand. And today, right now, as he sits at the right hand of God, on his belt, Sister Shirley, he's got some keys. And I think Jesus likes to just grab them every now and then and just jingle them. <laughs> he likes to pat them. Got my keys right here. Death, hell, and the grave. He's victorious. So what are you afraid of this morning? What are you going through that you think is so bad? Your Savior, your Lord reigns over all. And He loves you. <laughs> You've got nothing but victory to experience through what we go through. Amen. Nothing but victory this morning for you. Amen. I don't go on with this, what this guy says. He says he wants genuine truth, not the just I believe it kind of truth. He says science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but I keep it real. All I know is what's true to me right now, and Christianity just seems to me like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't. And then he says things that us Christians are what Christ taught us to do, which really puzzles me. He says, love and forgive, absolutely, and be kind, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't love to learn, you don't learn to love absolutely until you know what love really is. And you will not know what love really is until you know a man named Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the one that shows us what love really is. Amen. And he goes on to say other things. Here's a man that has. And I'll be honest with you, this is something that I actually thought. I'm like, now here I am. I could play the guitar okay and sing some songs. God, just take me and I'll, I'll put, put me in his place. Not that I want to sing with a bunch of people, you know. Or grab somebody else and put him there, you know. This guy needs to go to the Lord in prayer. But it, this is, I'm just using this guy's example. This is what's going on in the world, Amen. The Bible says there will be a great falling away from individuals that profess Christ. Whenever I was doing the introduction to discipleship in Brother Master's class, we went through a lot of terms. I learned that I didn't know. Sometimes you think you know things until you become you get in under a teacher like that and you realize, I didn't really know what I was talking about. Amen. <laughs> the word Christian was first given to us in Antioch. And it was a derogatory term. It was a derogatory term. Oh, there's those Christians, followers of Christ, you know. It's only mentioned a few times in the Bible. But in Brother Mesher's discipleship class, to be a Christian means that you are an individual that is loyal. It has to do with loyalty to the Lord. Amen. There's a world out there that's screaming to us. And especially our young folks, our younger people, our teenagers, and our young adults. The saying, if you're not tolerant of the way I live, you hate me. Amen? If you're not tolerant of the way I, I live, you hate me. If you call my behavior and what I do sin, you hate me. Amen? That's what the world is doing. 
and individuals and young individuals are losing their faith. They're dropping away. I did a study on the way the church is in America. Just looking at it, I always keep up with that. There's a lot of numbers. It's hard uh, to get those kind of numbers. And we're not doing bad, but we're not doing good. Amen? The church in America isn't. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, the whole reason why that red, white, and blue is flying back there is because we would be a center and a hub to spread the gospel across the world. That's why the Lord has blessed us the way that He has. Amen? Because we minister and we missions to people, you know, and we can see the differences in day and night. Whenever we spread the gospel and we talk to people about Jesus over here, whenever an individual makes a stand in the limelight and says they're a Christian, the kind of stuff they have to go through and what people say about them, you know, on this side. But if you'll go down to the islands where Brother Greg Atkins goes, or if you go over to India where Brother Moses ministers to people, and he mentions Jesus Christ, and he preaches the gospel, they come in droves, amen, to him. The Bible talks here about a great falling away. And I've just shared with you, just verbatim, about an individual that has. Guys, we have got to hold the line. Amen. We've got to hold the line. We've got to look at individuals and tell them that that Bible is true. This Jesus that we preach of is alive today. Amen. I'm so glad to report that. Amen. I get so excited when I think about the resurrection. We've got to tell people the good news. That Jesus has came, He has died, and He has rose again so that you may inherit eternal life. Amen. So that you can have it. Amen. And those individuals in this world that screams at us and tells us that we're wrong because we're not tolerant, because we don't believe in those things, we need to look at that world and says, it's what the Bible defines as sin. And I love you enough to tell you the truth, that if it exists inside your body, if that precious blood of Jesus does not wash that sin away, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven has an immigration policy. What's the first thing I asked the kids this when you see heaven? They were like, we see a gate. What's the other thing you see? I see a wall. So there's a gate and a wall, right? Yeah. Well, are they trying to keep people in or they keep them out? You know? There's a gate that we, that's there. There's a book, a registry there. It is the most important thing in every one of our lives is sitting in this house right now that our name's written in that book. And it only gets written in that book when we repent and we ask God to save us of our sins and He washes us in that precious, wonderful, powerful, amazing blood that He shed that day. Amen. Do you know that blood talks to God? Cain killed his brother Abel. And what did God say? Your brother's blood cries out to me. Amen. Jesus shed his blood that day. And that blood cried out to the Father that day when it was shed on the earth. It talked to the Lord. And God said, it's done. Payment in full for those that will believe. Amen. And for those that will believe, we can be born again. Transform. Our minds renewed. Amen. How wonderful is that? 
that we become new creatures in Christ. We've got to hold the line for folks. Amen. This is not going to get better. This is the warning part. This is not going to get better. This is going to get worse. We see it as it goes. Amen. We've had individuals and in leadership of our nation that's quite scared us. We thought, well, here it comes. Even my father had to make, and Brother Kevin and us had to make decisions, you know, because we are not going to bow down to what the world wants thinks that we should no they didn't then those early Christians didn't what does the Bible say about those early Christians amen the Bible says they were torn asunder they were hated John chapter 5 says and this is Jesus speaking if the world hates you and it does know that it has hated me before it hated you if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own and would treat you with affection. But you are not of the world. I'm speaking to Christian folks, amen. I'm looking out at a group of folks that are saved this morning. You are not of the world. You no longer belong to it. But I, Jesus, have chosen you out of the world. And because of this, the world hates you. Remember and continue to remember that I told you a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep, if they keep my word, they will, all, they will keep yours also. But they will do these hurtful things to you for my name's sake because you bear my name and you're identified with me. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come to spoken to them, they would not have the guilt of their sin. But now... Because Jesus has spoken, they have no excuse for the sin. The one who hates me, Jesus says, also hates my Father. If I had not done among the, them the works attesting miracles, which no one else can ever did, they would have not had the guilt of their sins. But now, because Jesus has done these wonderful works, they have both seen these works and have hated me and continue to hate me and my Father as well. But this is so that the world which has been written in the law, would be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Thank God in verse 26. But when the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, and the standby, the Holy Ghost comes, who I will send from, to you from the Father. That is the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify and bear witness about me. But you will testify also and be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. Amen. In 1 John chapter 3 and 13 it says, Don't be surprised, believers, when the world hates you. Amen. Here Jesus says, Because the world hates me, they'll hate you as well. This is what my response is to that. It's tough. I have in my spirit a pearl of great price. In my heart, Jesus lives. Amen. And I'm sorry, world, you'll just have to hate me because he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> My mother says something to us when she's teaching people. She says she takes her salvation, she puts it way high up on a shelf, and there ain't nobody touches it. Nobody touches Jesus in her. We're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to deal with that, and we're going to hear a lot of more about individuals just like this. He's not the only one. There are other influencers and individuals that have been working in the Christian world that 
especially due to uh, the sin of homosexuality and the loud voices of the LGBTQ individuals. They are laying down their faith as not to offend. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Amen. And we are going to have to hold the line and stand for what is true. Amen. And hold on to this precious salvation that we have regardless of how the world treats us or or acts. We can endure persecution. God can give us that faith and that boldness and that help. We have a comforter, this sweet, precious Holy Ghost that can enable us, amen, to do this. You know, yesterday as I was just going over these notes, I stood out, I was outside on the carport and the fair is right behind me and boy, they were really cranking it up and getting it going and I just kept thinking about Brother Buckaloo. Here I stand, the same Jesus is in me and the Holy Spirit's in me that was in him. And they put up a fair just like what was going on behind me. Yet all those individuals that were in our area, they shut the fair down and they all went to church. Amen. I know, I understand the world's going to hate us. But I'm still going to stand for what that Bible says and for this truth and for this Jesus that I know. Amen. Because I know He is the great attraction. When you preach Him under the anointing, individuals hear that and the Holy Spirit gets involved. It doesn't matter what they've done or what they've gone through. The Holy Spirit gets involved and convicts their heart. They can make a move for the Lord. Amen. That's the reason why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Let us endure watching these individuals fall away and pray for them that God would minister. I'm praying for this guy. I'm not putting him down. I want him to believe again. There's an Overcomer's Choir song that says, Believe again. Believe again. It's not the end. Believe again. I want him to believe again. Amen. Let's all stand, please, this morning. Might be just a little bit different of an altar call this morning, but what I would like us to, to do is all us believers, all believers in the house, to come and stand in the front. And that's how we're going to operate this morning. If you come.